Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. fans, hello and welcome to the version 2.0 of the Isles on Isles podcast. I am Joe Bono. Follow me on Twitter at Isles Fix. Subscribe to the newsletter Monday through Friday. And I have a new co-host or maybe permanent recurring guest. I know everyone's very eager to hear who this will be. And that is Mr. Andy Francis. Andy, how are you? I don't know if my reveal is going to be like when the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, revealed The <laughs> Undertaker for the first time, or it's going to be a way more lackluster, uh, you know, debut. But uh, yeah, I was just telling him, like, let, let's think of me of more of like an Andy Richter type on Conan. Like, if I'm not here, you would never <laughs> notice. But, it, you know, as I chime in, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it is November, so we are giving off a lot of a Survivor Series uh, 1991 vibes. Uh, I, I think. I mean, and no coincidence. No coincidence. The million dollar belt is actually right behind me, <laughs> over my shoulder. I actually saw it today on a and great start to the show. Obviously, talking professional wrestling, um, but uh, I um, I saw it today that it was like the 25 or 30 year anniversary where Ted DiBiase brings on that kid and he tells him. I'll give you this money if you could dribble 15 times and then kicks the ball away at number 14. They actually re- those guys reunited after 20 years. Apparently, they found each other. And uh, DiBiase revealed he actually gave the kid money ahead of time, or at least his parents. So it was a good story well, at the end of the day. Interestingly enough, I'm not allowed to say anything yet, but there may be something. Now, I'm not comparing myself to the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, <laughs> but there was something that happened in my life a long time ago that uh, – there may be something coming out about it somewhere wow, on television, and they are trying to dig up somebody from 20 years ago in the same type of vein that they dug up that kid. Aren't you happy about this, Islanders? I think Isn't this is this what really you came well. for. Yeah. Isn't this what you came for? Well, that's I have an what idea. You're I want to. I'll talk about. I'll talk about it with you. You know, offline after the show, but maybe I'm thinking about what you're talking about. Maybe I'm connecting some dots that are there or not there, but I regress. But um, for maybe some of you know Andy, maybe some of you don't. Um, 
I don't want to say I discovered him, but I'll tell you how I discovered him. The first thing I remember you doing Islanders related was uh, I, I found that video you did years ago um, about the, you know, the Santa Claus brawl at the Coliseum. That's the first thing I remember ever remember you doing that. I was like, this is a really funny take and story on Islander hockey. I, I don't know who you are, but I, I enjoyed that a lot. And then over the last couple of years, you started popping up because you were adamant about the fact that the Islanders had a number one defenseman and traded yeah. a number one defenseman and Devontae's and have hammered that point home successfully, I may add, for the last two years. Yeah, the only reason, um, you know, this is not my intention, never was my intention, and probably still isn't my, actually, I'll guarantee you, it's definitely not my <laughs> in, uh, intention. But what happened was, well, I obviously am a very, very, very passionate Islander fan. I'm actually the only other team I could say that I have maybe rooting interest for where it could actually move the needle is maybe Croatian national soccer, like well, an international. Yeah. Other than that, I don't have any baseball teams I care about. No football. Now, although I, I look, I, I, I can tell you everything about the NFL, but I grew up not watching it. And I refuse to be a fraud who joins, uh, you know, a fan base as an adult. That's just like a weird thing. That's like watching the movie A Christmas Story as an adult and say, oh, I like this. No, you should hate it if you've seen it for the first Making time. Making a second one, right? The second one's coming out soon, I heard. Oh, Lord knows. It's everything. Hocus Pocus 9. It's every, <laughs> every, any and every sequel's coming out. But more or less, since I'm a massive Islander fan, um, I really, when watching some, some of a playoff series, I think it was uh, two seasons ago, it was against the... I think against the Bruins is where I truly was livid about something. And a guy that I used to work with, Buddy, um, Buddy Peck, I think. Uh, I'm trying to give you Alex. a shout out, Buddy, on there. Yes. All right. I call him Alex, uh, but I feel like Islanders people know him as Buddy. Mm -hmm. I'll never call him Buddy. He knows that. Um, but my friend Alex, you know, he would come to me for real. I was no Twitter. There was nothing ever about the Islanders, but he knew me in person and he knew that, you know, what I was spewing was always kind of on the money and that we would always talk about. It. Then I got so livid about something about the Islanders play in the playoffs that I uploaded something. He retweeted it. He has like an Islanders following. And then, um, another podcast, two guys that were always super cool to me. I really like them. TJ and Grumpy had me on, and then I was on an Islander podcast, and then I guess maybe a, a Now all of a sudden, my name was associated with a couple Islanders things, even though, you know, I, like I said, I never had any sort of um, um, kind of intention to do anything yeah, like that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I just, I've always found your takes insightful and, and entertaining, and that's why I reached out to you. and. You know, this might work. And just for those listening, we had one phone call conversation, a few text messages. We're just we're just doing this. And uh, if you haven't turned us off already, um, hopefully it's working. So, yeah, I don't know um, this guy like I, I, we could have the <laughs> we could have the worst combination of personalities ever. But I'm such a maniac because of some of the comedy stuff that I've done. I learned like I've done many green screen movie parodies. And also, I did, you know, previous life performing, a.k.a. just a I couple went of years down, ago. I went down an Andy Francis IMDb uh, a couple of days ago. So Yeah. So, uh, more or less, I'll run the hurry-up offense on this. Like, I, I can just talk to nobody. I can talk to that wall and have it relatively be relatively convincing. So, you know, you can put someone I don't even click with and I'll be fine. I've never, we've never <laughs> talked 
Not and like we're this. just kind of, yeah. Just one phone call conversation. Hey, do you want to do this? It's an idea. And you said, what do I have to do? I said, we have to talk for about 30, 35 minutes once a week. And you said you were in. So um, let's get to some Islanders hockey and very, very different recording this around 8.45, 9 o'clock at night. And the Islanders already played uh, due to this 5.30 start time because of Daniel Alfredson's Hall of Fame ceremony um, induction. And I want to get how you feel about this game because now nine out of 11 wins. This game wasn't perfect. A lot of time in the penalty box. Five out of six on the penalty kill. But a road win, a game where they got a lead early. Wallstrom scores. A really a goal that a lot of guys do not have the ability to score, by the way. I mean, that's the tantalizing part about Oliver Wallstrom. That type of shot, not a lot of players beat goalies clean on that. Noah Dobson scores another goal. And J.G. Paggio really needed a big goal. had a great game in his hometown. So I know you've been kind of, you know, in our conversation, we've been wavering about, you know, kind of where is this team despite the good results? Um, did this game make you feel any better? Not particularly, although I'm not going to – it's not like – I've always told people this season is – it's just – these are the fakest results ever early in the year. You got the avalanche losing to bad teams on their home ice. It's just like, you know, it's hard. It's an 82 game season and you're going to see a lot of randomness, especially throughout the first third of the season. So I don't overvalue or undervalue anything too much. However, I am, I'm very, if I had to ask you, Hey, well, you know, what's the Islanders um, like, what's their style? What are you seeing out there? What's their, what kind, what kind of way are they playing? And you, nobody could tell me. Like, what's the Islanders' style of play now? So it's not yeah, trust anymore. I think anymore. we all kind of think about the identity of what the team had been under Barry Trotz, and we're, we're kind of always lean towards that, but we're not seeing that. Well, not you, don't have to, you do not have to lean towards that because they are hemorrhaging chances every single game. Well, 36 go, stops tonight, I think, for Volamov. Yeah, and, and I mean just a the, little bit the under turnovers. Trotz, too, the, high, the high shots against. It did. Uh, it did. I believe that. Well, yeah, you you started to see that once we started uh, shipping those defensemen away. Um, but they clearly are not as buttoned up. And for somebody like that, me, that's very discouraging. I'm not one of these people. Um, Islanders fans always, to me, they want to be the Florida Panthers of last year. They just want to score a bunch of goals, have a bunch of stars, and be excited to lose in the playoffs against a disciplined team. That is not. Uh, it's just not a system that works. It's not, and I'm happy that they're scoring more, happy that they're winning, like the Florida Panthers, who are able to come back from any single game in the world last year. Yeah, that all ends when you play real competition. So I'm just a little upset at how sloppy they're playing. I thought there would be more carryover from the Trots era. There's not. They're the, they give up so many chances, and um, their strength what I said before the season is their strength. They boast three lines that can score. Very few teams can do that. Do they have superstars? No, but I've always maintained they have a multitude of people who could score up to 20, 20, 25 goals and a few, you know, two who could score like over 30. So that to me is their strength and you're seeing it. You're seeing different lines contribute every single game. That's their strength. But the flip side is, you know, when things get ugly, they get real ugly because you don't have that McKinnon line and even not a McKinnon line. Look at Ottawa's top line. That's, that is a star studded top line that they, they netted both those goals versus us. We don't really have something like that, that we can default to, unless you want to maybe talk about that. Islanders new, need 
they need some line going at all time. There's got to because it's a given for some of these teams that that top line is always going to be. But know, it also simplifies tilting, the game plan minutes. for the defense. Like it, I, I love not having a top line because then you waste another team's shutdown pairing. That's why I really love it. Like, okay, cool. Put your best checking line. Put your top pair defenseman against Barzell, and now you're going to open up for you know Palmieri, uh, Pajo, and uh, Parisi. To you're going to give them all the best matchups. Then I'll, I'll t- I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because to me, in a long series, I'm always thinking on a larger level. I don't, I don't care too much about the 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 five to ten game. Are they are they built in a way that's going to succeed when the games matter the most? And that's kind of what I keep looking at. What what is going to be their identity by game fifty? Well, right let me, now let me play a little bit one. a little bit devil's advocate, or just take a little bit of other side of the coin here. In that. You know, last year, going as bad as it did, and we don't have to rehash about it, but, you know, even people want to go back to the previous two seasons about, you know, when what happened when the season was paused, where were the Islanders in the standings, would they have made the playoffs, and the fact that they finished fourth um, in the final playoff position in the Eastern Conference after, and then kind of slid back towards the end of the 56-game season as well. And the question is, could this team – is this team built to make the playoffs? They might be a team built for the playoffs, but can they actually, over the course of a long season, you know, generate enough points to be in the top eight of a really competitive Eastern Conference and one that might be a little bit upside down right now, currently in the Metro? So, is it that you know the style that they're playing now, you know, Florida Panther-ish, um, if that gets you to um, a situation where you can obviously be in a playoff position? Perhaps the goaltending and the defense and that tightness around structure, which we're used to, is there, but that's not maybe what they're needing night in, night out yeah. anymore, which that's they fair. did for a few years. That's my hope. My hope is that there's something fortifying around the play. Like, you know, there's going to be a little trial and error. Like, you know, we really need to, once we have a 3-1 lead in the third, like stop trying to press forward, be more responsible. And you hope that they're taking these good, because there are many good players on this team. I was not a doom and gloom. I, before this year, I got to love when things are on record, by the way. Got to love when things are on record, like me on video saying Taves was the best Islanders defenseman in his rookie year. Um, But, I said the Islanders will have a top 10 offense in the NHL and I don't want them to add anybody just to prove, just to prove it to the end. Cause if they brought in even someone, they could be like, yeah, well he jumpstarted. I wanted them to add nobody. So all the apologize, idiotic people who just need change to them. The only thing that works is change or not. It was a series of unfortunate circumstances, and I'm not even talking about the COVID stuff, this, that, and the other. They showed way too many good qualities within those couple of years to not let them go out there and earn it. And to a certain extent, they've done it. But there have been way too many games this year, if you're looking in the mirror and saying, how many games have the Islanders outplayed their opponent? It hasn't been many. And that that's... But you could say, well, they're not playing their best hockey and they're still getting still points. Games. Yeah. So there's there's merit to that. Um, but uh, like I mentioned, my hope is that in the long run, something is building to, um, that can be relied upon more in like when it counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I, feel, I always think back to where, you know, I started feeling good about the Islanders in terms of my fandom. Right. Because, well, I mean, I kind of was in, I'm, I'm 40 years old now. So 
Um, you know, 92, 93 is there, and then seven, eight years of really no playoffs after getting dropped by the by the Rangers. And the first team I really felt really super excited about guess? was the 20. I guess. Go ahead. Oh, I thought I figured maybe you liked the Janssen. Uh, I'm sorry, Yashin, Janssen, Janssen, Pekka, Parrish. No, I, I did, obviously. Why. Yeah, I mean, 2002 I got excited about. But in terms of, like, my team is playing dominant hockey was the 2014-2015 team. Like, that team over long stretches of that season were, were, were dominant in the regular season in terms of so, where the, how the ice was tilted. Like, those game in, game in, game out, they just had the puck all game long. And you didn't learn your lesson? Like, that that is what I'm trying to say. I see direct parallels with those type of teams. Do you want to know the style? I'm asking you, like, what is their identity? I'm going to tell you what it is right now because it's the same thing that they had in 2014, 2015. What they're playing, the way they're playing right now, I call it roller hockey. The style is roller hockey. Everybody's relying on their individual talents to produce results. And you're seeing it. People's strengths are their strengths and their weaknesses are their weaknesses. But there clearly is not something outside of that. There is not a, a um, there's not something at the core of the squad where it used to be you felt that everyone had to be defensively responsible. Everybody had to be in their assignments or you're potentially going to get benched. You don't feel that anymore. And in a way, it's good uh, because it's allowing some people to not feel like, you know, it's the end of the world if they make a mistake. But you you see so many careless turnovers and you're, you're starting to see, it's like they're almost getting cut. Well, no, that's what we will make up for. Well, you know, we're able to score. And I just, I don't like stuff like that because as you saw, you can dominate people during stretches of the season. You start eliminating from the bad teams in the league. And you start playing the real ones, and you you're that team that I believe you're talking about. Um, or how about you could even say a couple of years later when after they beat Florida, and then they played Tampa Bay in round two and are leading in games both in both games three and four. How is that bold? Literally, yeah, literally fortifying that if you don't know how to close out games, it's over. And then conversely, you have a less offensive uh, juggernaut when trots comes in but you're winning series after series after series after series it's not a coincidence so i just hope but at that least they it's the same it's the same i mean listen we talked so much during the summer about how unchanged the roster is so and so if you if listen we're now we're going you know kind of taking leaps ahead but you know that team certainly knows how to play that type of style you know and obviously the playoffs generally for the teams that have been there before, tighten up, and they can often start to mold their game into that more playoff-style hockey. So I just w wonder, is that something to be concerned about, or is what they're doing more of what a lot of the teams in the NHL are doing, and then others are able to kind of rely on top-notch goaltending or kind of converge into a more defensive structure style in the playoffs, and, and that's good enough? You know, because well, we heard a lot, Andy, right, about the grinding nature of an 82-game schedule playing the trot system and how maybe mentally and emotionally exhausting it was for players and perhaps was part of the reason why Lamarillo decided to make a change. Well, before we even get to that, before we even just say, well, no, we're playing good hockey, that you need to face the facts that there are so many games they want. Like, 
you look at these Columbus, how many times are they going to come out flat for multiple periods? You can't be relying with the Islanders roster on all these third period comebacks. You can't. I know maybe you got comfortable with them, but you cannot rely on that for the rest of the year. No, so and I think many they know games. that, though. I mean, they're saying the right things. They know they can't. They know that. But why? But like, how, that's how, not going to be a viable option to, to be how going after, down two goals or, or more in the third period and look for points. Not going to happen. But. But what I want to know is how is it humanly possible that a team who supposedly was so hungry and had the longest offseason they've ever had to come out unbelievably flat in a large majority of the first 10 games? After those games in Florida, I, I, I'm not one who's quick to jump to conclusions because the season's a marathon, but I couldn't believe my eyes. I'm like, Oh my God, they're just slow every single game. There's the same no urgency from last year is has just came straight through to this year. And and then it just it sporadically pops in and out. All of a sudden it's gone for the Carolina game. They go down to Carolina, everybody has jump. It was out of nowhere. And then a couple games later, then they looked slow again. I don't know what's going on, but they are impossible to predict. You don't know the effort that they're going to get in. And I mean, if you look, there's a, there's a large majority of people out there that are like, they're, they're kind of scared to get excited. And I think they should be, you know, uh, it's, they're a little flat way too often for my liking. Yeah. It's I like, where should expectations be for this team considering, you know, winning nine out of 11 and being in the top four of the conference and, you know, really on the heels of the devils, despite them winning nine games in a row, it's, you know, well, I was ready to be prepared for this team to be in the playoff conversation all year long and uh, to be maybe a wild card team. And, and right now they're playing above that, at least comparatively to the rest of the league. So, yeah, there's definitely like a tempered optimism around, well, how good is this team? And I think you're hitting on a lot of the reasons why is that they're not being consistent night in and night out as to how they're going about winning games. I mean, I was watching the post game even after tonight. And here's a game where they led one nothing, They led three one. They win the game 4-2, and it's a road victory. It's two points, start of a four-game road trip. And Thomas Hickey, who's doing a great job, I think, as the analyst, you know, starts out talking about how they didn't play a really good game. They played a very sloppy game, wasn't? but you go ahead and you, and you take it. So that was like the immediate response um, from someone watching the game was, you know, ugly at times, you know, they, they you know, but they found a way to win. And um, – Again, you want to see where it's kind of like a definitive, dominant type of effort eventually. Here's a quote. Uh, this came with 6.45 left in the second period. Um, Butch Goring, who, I mean, his vision must just be fully gone at this point. He, call, he <laughs> called Paul Mary Wall, Wallstrom multiple times tonight, and they even gave close-up replays, and he continued to call him Wallstrom. But well, he goes... Oh, yes, that's, that's that's all it takes. So put me on the ice on Wallstrom tomorrow. Um, he goes, the Islanders seem to still have, they haven't found their legs yet. This is with 6.45 remaining in the second. And I feel like I'm saying that more than every other game, like two out of every th- three, where you're like, all right, well, when are they going to start? All right, well, when are they going to start? And then you just go, oh, they're slow. You never feel where, okay, You've never seen a stretch for three straight games where you go, that's the team who we're hoping for. That's the team we need. 
that and also I picked the Islanders to not even wild card and I'm not as you can tell I'm not some no, I uh, can tell you know Christmas <laughs> I think everyone some Christmas can tell. yeah 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 I picked them to either be the second or third not win the division because I liked Carolina's additions with Pacioretty and Burns but you know Pacioretty missing time is going to hurt that but I mean it's not a coincidence all those players who had those two runs for the Islanders I thought with extra rest and extra motivation and the worst division you could ever imagine, which I still think it is. I think it's a garbage division when you compare the other ones and the and the teams that they have to deal with. That was my main reason. Uh, I've said that many times. And I'm hoping to see the team that I saw play a mere, a little over two years ago in those series versus Washington, Philadelphia, Florida. They outskated them. They worked hard. They were responsible. And they scored. And I just haven't, I haven't seen that. And I refuse to believe they're too old. There's way older out there. Like these, these guys are not that old. Right. You know? Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, let's um, let's talk about some individual players here. Um, so let's start off with 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 Matt Barzell, who had two more assists tonight. Eighteen, I think it's the most assists without scoring a goal through seventeen games in NHL history. Interesting it's great. stat. <laughs> yeah, it's um, great. And it, what what do you view in terms of this this start to the season? Um, because we're still seeing a, a lot of the lack of willingness to, to shoot and trust his shot. There's, you know, we've all seen the, the, you know, the, the gifs out there of, of open nets or where he's essentially showing so, past the entire way. Um, are you, are you concerned about the no goals or is it like, well, he's a playmaker and he's doing playmaking things and that's what he's always been. Number one. And as long as he's generating offense, the goals will come. But at the same time, I thought this guy had an opportunity to be a regular 20 goal scorer. Cause he showed that early in his career and, you know, to, to, this is probably not going to be the year where that happens, even if he gets really hot. Um, just kind of what's your what's your thoughts on this kind of very strange, uh, you know, first 17 games for Matt Barzell in terms of the stats? I think it's fickle to need to see goals. Either the person is contributing in, a, in an offensive fashion or he's not. There's no difference to me if he's scoring the goal or on the ice creating the goal. And I don't know, did the gift that they uh, shared, did it show the shot? going in the net blocked by the defenseman on Arizona because he clearly put that on net. I think he attempted four shots tonight, got two through. I think some got to fly. He's clearly cognizant of it. He's shooting more the last couple of games, but more importantly, he's generating chances. Earlier in the year, those well, if times he, shoot, he was... If he, exactly. If he's shooting and, and they're making saves and blocking, I think that's a couple of, even Even if he's missing the net, I think it's fine. It's just, I think at times still you're seeing the the, the passiveness They've not been the uh, recent games, but I think there has been 
moment. Yeah, which means he's always been aware. When he's overpassed, there's always a stretch where he tries to, like, he realizes it. it's unfortunate, but it happens where he realizes, like, okay, it's been a little too much. And then you see, you see him start to shoot a little more. And also, I don't know if you guys noticed this, when he shoots it, it's not like he has a snipe. And when he takes a shot that's unscreened and a goalie just gloves it, he gets discouraged. He doesn't have faith in his shot because he doesn't have a missile. I understand his dilemma, but just, I guess regular people don't, uh, you know, he needs to be somebody, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like, cause I could show you shots where he tries cutting in from the circle on the power play shoots. And it's like an easy glove save, unless there's a screen and you could understand why he would want to use his speed and create space like that Wallstrom goal tonight, where you said, yeah, he's one of those guys who could score from there. Yeah. It's good when you have somebody set up someone else who does that. And I mean, if he's registering all these assists, he's clearly being productive. And now magically we've changed it to we're paying him so he needs to get points. Now magically he needs the goals now too. He's obviously been what we'd hoped for. He's He's been an incredible playmaker other than maybe the first couple of games. And he's done a great job. I, these, is this like the same kind of thing with last year with Zach Parisi? You could see with your own two eyes he's positively yeah, affecting the, the games. The ice, yeah. Do you need to see the goals? Like, it, no, it's I mean, just, I think there's a different category between the 37-year-old, 38-year-old that... No, but no, he's scoring the goals. The franchise player. No, but he's scoring the goals this year. Like, Matt Barzell is scoring the goals. They're just not going in the net. He's playing well enough to have those goals come off his stick. R- hit copy-paste on next year, and there will be more goals, less assists. The same way people needed to see Parisi score. He's playing the same way, going to the front of the net. A couple more off the skate this year. A couple more opportunities. Now you're getting the goals. Just This has got to be like uh, the house in blackjack. You've got to take it over five years, not ten games. You know, this is this is what you're going to get with him. I mean, you've seen him sh- in playoff series when when it counts. You you saw him shoot the puck and score a bunch of goals. He knows when. He's not like. So I, I know mean, you're the com- I know you're the comedy guy, um, and uh, you know I, I just kind of have a what people tell me a pretty good sense of humor. But you know I never done anything kind of professionally. But I, I thought maybe a good line here that no one else either picked up on or cared. Where I tweeted it out while back was it's kind of the reverse Cy Young. We'll call it the Anthony Young. I don't know if people even get that reference of who Anthony Young was anymore. Maybe not even you. I don't know who that is. Uh, the uh, Mets pitcher, 92-93, lost like 21 consecutive decisions. Is that, is that so like was, the, uh, is that like the David? Is that like the <laughs> Daryl Strawberry Mets? I think Daryl was gone by then. I think he was already, uh, I think he was on his way to L.A. by then. Yeah, Anthony Young, he went uh, 2-14 and and then uh, 1-16 the following year. So that'd be the reverse. Everyone's keeping this, everyone wants to be trendy and talking about the Cy Young, the the Cy Young for hockey, but this would be the the reverse Cy Young. I know that rat Keith Hernandez hit on my mom. Really? Yeah. Want to delve into that a little bit more or we're just going to leave it I was a very, I was a very little kid. I don't really remember. And what are you, what are you doing? Keith Keith Hernandez. Keith Hernandez, you could have anyone out there. Why are you going for someone with a kid? Go, 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 go get some <laughs> Sports Illustrated. So you were there? You saw it happen? I remember yeah, he knew. I remember. No, I was, I was, I was so young. That's why he's not hitting on my mom if she's a true mom, like a but mother's maybe, age. But isn't Keith one of these guys where people can assume that he, every, like he's probably always hitting on everybody just on the way his demeanor is and, and, um, the way he kind of presents himself and oh, he waters it down. Like, I'm just saying, just I just hitting, think he, by just casually, a, a, his charming nature of him. I think it all we could be taken as 
I'm not saying maybe maybe your mom wanted to be hit on by Keith Hernandez, but I'm just saying I think I could see him giving off that vibe where a lot of people would feel that way. Well, I'll also tell you that Cam Neely asked my mom out on a date. Now was right, well, it, was, now. was she was she was she was she envisioning that one? To you think I don't know about people inventing somebody hitting on them? I mean, yeah, the one time. Trend, so come on, okay. you know, I know, I know. Um, okay, another. Let's go to another player here. Um, I know you're opinionated on this. How, how about you go to somebody who just played like absolute garbage tonight and took two careless penalties <laughs> in Kyle Pal- Palmieri? Did you see those? Those with the lead, yeah. one led to a goal, one did. I mean, that like that's what I'm talking talking about. Just careless with the stick, taking these trips, and I, I mean, oh, do you, do you like not want me to call out stuff like no, that? No, of course. I, I can I, fake I, it. I, listen, I told you. I told you. I. I I've seen your work, so I wasn't expecting the uh, orange and blue glasses here. Yeah, like if Matt Parzal was playing poorly, I would tell you he's playing poorly. He's not playing poorly at all. He's contributing in many ways, especially offensively on the ice. I don't need to see the goals to know he's playing well. Kyle Palmieri just gliding out there. Man, what a random guy he is. You take away that shot. You know what he is? An older, slightly faster (laughs) Oliver Wallstrom with a slightly slower shot. I mean, Jesus Christ. He's very frustrating to have because you know, like guys like Pajo, you don't need they don't need to do anything. They're they're always right. making it tough for the other team. And if he's not scoring right now, you're looking at what else is he consistently bringing to the lineup if he's not using that shot. Yeah, score. yeah, very frustrating. Um, but I wanted to bring up um, Noah Dobson. So Dobson scores again tonight, and this might goes into something you earlier said about, you know, Islander fans just, you know, want the goals. They want, they want the four or five goal nights and, and, and just everything about Noah Dobson on pace now for this, you know, 60 point season that's been unattainable since Dennis Potvin um, for Islander defenseman. But I get the sense in, 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 in following you and seeing things that you've written and, and, and have said is that there's a lot to be desired still about this guy's defensive game. I think you even compare him to, um, Chris Campoli. No, I didn't compare him to Chris <laughs> Campoli. I said his defensive play is reminiscent of Chris Campoli. And this was, I, I tried telling people there's no need to hold it, You think I want Noah Dobson to play uh, poorly or anything like that. We both, all of us want them to go as far as possible. And right now I'll even maybe help, <laughs> help you believe that these last couple of weeks minimal issues him him and Romanov you know they have little slip of I said I was highly critical because when you play in Trotz's system and you're in those playoff games and it's two to one in the third against Boston and you have to hold on for dear life the slightest mistake is the whole series one slight mistake Tristan Jari flubbing it out there in overtime there goes the series and that's why he deservedly was benched in a different kind of system, I'm going to be more forgiving because we're not trying to win two to one and it's all assignment based. And it's, But last year, I mean, he was atrocious in his own end. This year, I mean, I've seen some mistakes, but definitely not at the level of last year. And I just, I don't get enamored by sitting. I mean, didn't Mark Streit have a ton of points? You can bring in specialists who, who get points. That's not, you need to hold up uh, your end on you know, on the back end. And well, he, how, how I don't essential know. is it to, for him to become a, a much better defender, given that Pelic and Pulak are on this team? Like, is it is it okay if he doesn't 
turn the corner on that side of side of the puck for him. I mean, because well, then other teams about... are going to target him. Other teams are going to target him. That when you have last change and you see him on the ice, you're going to put your top line out there, knowing that he's finished. I mean, Mark Andre Bergeron, if you remember him, remember him? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't. They couldn't use him. He only came out on the power plays. He was that much of a liability defensively. But he was ripping in one timers on the power play. If you're a liability defensively, you can. I mean, it is so okay, well, I guess bad I'm not for your thinking, team. I don't want him to be a liability, but just in terms of like the complete two-way elite number one type defenseman no. in the league. Does he does he need to be that? Can he be that? I mean, that's he needs where to he needs to be Nick Letty. points and think that he can be. But you're saying, well, no, there's a whole other part of the game where he's well, of, of uh, course, needs to like, improve a lot. All of my assessment comes on the long run. I don't think about like, yeah, in any game, he could have a whole bunch of points. But I'm talking about you're on a series. You're playing a Carolina. You're on the road. Brindamore has last change. I mean, is this going to lose you the game, having a bad defensive guy out there that you're forced to play? But let, I just want to reiterate, these last, I'd say, last six, seven games, minimal complaints okay. from me. I, 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 I'm not a credit refuser. It does, it does no good for anyone. Him and Romanoff have played well. They have little hiccups here and there. You know, I guess it's going to be forgiven. They're still young and to a certain extent, yeah, uh, they'll get they'll get better a little bit each year. All you're really looking for is when Nick Letty got here. You knew he could contribute offensively, and he it's not like he had a big body, but he had enough smarts. The problem with, with Dobson, he has many mental errors. Many like, oh, just try to flub it around the boards without, without seeing who's there. Just like awareness. It's not like physical traits or it's not something like that. It's letting a guy behind him, you know, losing track, pinching or like, you know, I've, I've uploaded one or two things, just a miracle pinch, which gives somebody a breakaway on a, on a, a penalty kill or something. And it's a lot of mental errors, which have, have kind of bothered me, but you really just need like what Nick yeah. Letty was when he got here, but he got bad at the end. But when Nick Letty got here, you never thought of him being this big offense, uh, defensive liability on the ice, but he definitely wasn't shutting teams right, down. He had the ability you just got to be out of trouble. Uh, yeah. Too, with his you just, skate, with his skating ability. Yeah. You just got to be good enough. All right. Know? So we'll, we'll, um, I think maybe we'll have, we'll wrap this up on a, I think a universal positive note in that, you know, Ilya Sorokin, you know, cause there was so much buzz about him in the KHL before he came over. And obviously the early returns were really strong. Wins that series against Pittsburgh before Varlamov comes back in in Boston game two and then kind of finishes that series. Kind of asserts himself as the number one last year. And going into this year, there's this Vesna hype around him. And, you know, quietly I'm thinking to myself, well, is that a bit premature? Um, and I guess the answer is, is no. I mean, the Islanders, he's going to have, you know, he's going to have a, a maybe venture to say maybe contract extensions with Ilya Sorokin before you know it. Um, there's when all these things that we're talking about can be covered up by the elite goaltender, I think as the Rangers showed last year and the Islanders seem, seem to have that. And you talked about these games of being down three, one, to Colorado, even trailing Columbus. Those games could have been out of reach if it wasn't for him in those first two periods because of those yeah. slow, sluggish starts uh, that you talked about. 
just for what it's worth, it, it, when we were down 3 nothing to Colorado, go watch when Tampa Bay was down 2-1 to Colorado in their own building in Game 6. They couldn't get another chance. That's what coming back against a team really is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Not a lollygagging, you know, like Colorado, who cares? We have 70 games left. But you're a, you're, you're a hundred. You could help yourself. I, 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 I could, because it's just, it's hard for me to see that because I know when teams need a win, you do not understand how razor thin the margins are. You have no room to do anything. And when I see teams come back, you can just clearly see the other team, and deservedly so. They're not going to invest that. They're not going to clog the lanes. They're not going to put their bodies on the line. So that that's why I take all those with a with a grain of salt because I know how it looks and I know how much more difficult it is. You know, come playoff time. Um, but one thousand percent, one of the biggest um, one of the biggest reasons that I was positive about making the playoffs was I thought while we had this sorting period, while they figure out who exactly they were, they would have the luxury of being able to be bailed out by Sorokin because you've seen the natural progression. A little bit of struggle year one with angles and whatnot, and then better year two. This is a true natural ramp progression upward, and it's it's great to see. And then in classic fashion, you know, we finally get to the point we need, and he's a free agent in like a year. Right, <laughs> it's going to cost ten million dollars, uh, or something, or something crazy, Bobrovsky type numbers. But you're right yeah. because as good as he was last year, you watch these games and you would see some of these bad goals he up. Wow, he could he could be better if he cleans up some of the stuff. He's going to be even better. And even still, even how great the start has been this year, there's still he's so good that you you almost get to the point where you're surprised when goals are scored uh, against him, um, unless you know there's something fluky happening with you know deflections and whatnot, and that's just hockey. But um, you know, I think kind of as we kind of wrap up here, uneven, very positive results standings wise. I think the fear that myself, a lot of Islander fans had, was a bad start was going to get all this negative emotion going kind of hearkening back to last year, so much questioning around the firing of the head coach, the bringing back of the same teams, that that's not going to be part of the narrative um, because of, I think, the way they went from two and four, uh, won the game, you know, got on the hot streak and now have won nine and 11. You know, they're in pretty, you know, good, they're in good, firm position. I know they could have a bad week and it could kind of all fall out, but this start was so important to them. I think they knew that and that's happened. And while they're still trying to figure out whether or not there's one brand of Islander hockey under Lane Lambert, they have the goaltending that's always going to be there. It was tonight with Varlamov and not Sorokin. And that, that buys them time while they keep on collecting points. And, you know, right now, Metro, you're looking at the Metro, Andy, and you're saying, all right, standings look good. Devils look like a playoff team, obviously, with all that talent they have. And they're getting better than decent goaltending. And you look at the bottom and you go, is Pittsburgh going to stay there? Is Washington going to stay there? Maybe they will, but it's not. Washington's awful. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's a year that they come off the cliff, but are they this bad? I mean, I've just, there's. Yes. I'd like to, I'd like to report to you. Yes. They are old and awful. What happened to not, you know, 15 games, 17 games of the season. And you know, no, the the problem is no doubt. No, the problem is they just keep rolling out the same old team who can't get through the neutral zone with any speed. They keep getting waxed in the playoffs, and they're just rolling out the bones into this graveyard of this. It, 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 like people complain about the Islanders rolling out old players. They're rolling out Oshie's bones and Ovechkin's bones. And, no, because they, they put up 100-point seasons every year. Um, yeah, so they got the benefit I get of the it. Doubt. Well, 
See, the same way I read between the lines of wins and losses, the, that meant no, when the games counted, they've been waxed in four straight playoff series. Same thing goes, well, Pittsburgh was a little different because they had good play, but they're relying. When, when your core is from 2009, you don't have Stanley Cup aspirations. You just don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's just the truth. All right. So listen. Um, but I, I got a positive yeah, one please thing, do, thing please to do. say. Um, one great thing to see was uh, after that first week when the Islanders were a couple games under 500 after they played Florida, I mean, most people had checked out like, wow, these guys look like Washington level slow. <laughs> but they were able to just block out that noise. And then yeah, they, got to they, work. Yeah. they looked pretty bad against the Rangers, but they were able to get a win in that game. And then and they went to Carolina. Like everyone was expecting them to get waxed. Yeah, they and they played play well great. Six two. And they, but forget about that. Just they're playing a team that's that won the division. They're very good. And then they go out and have a full team effort. And it's almost like, what the hell? What was yeah, that? I hear you. So That's clearly the you they see, can want to see more of that game. Well, it means they can block out the noise. Yeah. It means that they're on their own. Like no matter what we're saying or anyone else is saying, they can block that out and come out and put forth a good stretch of hockey. And I do believe that they're like jello, you know, they're, they're taking shape. And I think they might be working towards the shape that it eventually will be one that will be able to be a little more sustainable and a little more pleasurable to watch on a night in night out basis. All right, well, we'll leave it at that, Andy. I think a good first show. We covered uh, Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, your mom getting hit yep. on by Keith Hernandez and Cam Neely. You got that And, right. uh, you know, I think you gave a very strong introduction to those of you that have not heard Andy before, thoughtful, insightful, original thoughts about the team. And um, I think, like, what you said is true. When there's credit to be given, you're going to give it, but you're not going to simply get blinded by either wins or losses and stats. You know, we're going to – there's more depth to – what's going on out there and what we are watching than, than simply just the end result. Yeah. And uh, hopefully each week we'll be able to kind of break that down in a little bit of a different way for, uh, for our listeners. So just um, look at it this will... way. If you were, um, if you were another team, if you were another a fan of another team and you saw the Islanders playing, how would you feel about matching up against them in the playoffs? And if the answer is like, Oh, I would want to play them. Then, you know, the team's got to start playing better to strike some fear <laughs> in other teams. You know, well, it's not just about the ESPN power rankings. That's not okay. No, like, All yeah, right. correct. <laughs> correct. All right. Well, listen, um, hopefully as a recurring guest, you'll be here next uh, next week. We're going to try to do these, I think, on Monday nights, the most we can schedule permitting. But I'm, I'm looking forward to having these conversations um, on a weekly basis and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks, Andy. All right, no problem. Very nice to meet all you, even though I have no, I have no clue who the hell I'm meeting, and I probably never will. Yeah, thousands so, of downloads. Uh, There's thousands of people going to be listening to this. Well, um, I guess I'll see you next time then, eh? <laughs> all right. All right, for Andy Francis, I'm Joe Bono. Follow us on Twitter, at Eyes on Isles. We'll talk to you next week on This Country. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? 
At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.